0: what's your favorite scary movie
1: be afraid be very
2: afraid. you're gonna need a bigger boat here's johnny the power of christ compels you the power of christ compels you whatever you Hi, I'm Jamie and I'm Nikisha and this is Talking Horror with Jamie and Nikisha where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior i.e. the psychology of it all welcome <laughs> guys welcome <laughs> so today is a special treat to the season y'all because we are talking about the newest installment in the Halloween chain Halloween Kills. Listen, folks. Listen, folks, please. The Boogeyman is at large. He's got no
1: choice but to emerge. He is an apex predator. When he surfaces, there will be no pause. There will be no empathy. This ends when Michael is dead. Michael Myers will be executed tonight, and it will not go without witness.
2: We need all of you. Evil dies tonight! Yeah. So exciting. So, of course, we're going to talk all things uh, Halloween kills, and we have to obviously go back and reference the OG 1978 version of Halloween. Well, the only true version. And then the hashtag retcon of it all, the 2018 oh. <laughs> <laughs> into this sequel. Halloween Kills, and we have so much to talk about. But before we get into that, y'all, and I don't know why I'm saying y'all so much. I think it's because I'm in Virginia. I've just been in too long. It's
3: the south of it all.
2: (laughs) It's the south of it all. Uh, (laughs) We're just showing. But before we get into everything that is Halloween Kills, we have our first ever talking horror guest. Brian, do you want to introduce this fabulous guest?
1: Yeah, Sure. Um, so, I'm producer Brian. This is our first guest. This is very exciting. I hope this works. Um, <laughs> but we did not skimp on guestery. We have an incredible human being, an artist, a Halloween lover, and a spooky movie connoisseur. We're joined by Matthew Woods. Yeah. Hello, friends.
0: I'm very honored to be here and honored to be your first guest.
3: Oh, so exciting! Yeah. This is so exciting. Yes. So...
1: Before, I'll start off with the first question. Uh, we'll definitely talk about how spectacular of an artist you are. We'll talk about you, you know uh, uh, um, everything. But to start off, what is your relationship to these Halloween movies?
0: Wow. Um, how long do you have? Is this going to be like a three-hour <laughs> yeah. thing? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, totally fine. <laughs> so I, I would say that Halloween 1978 is probably my favorite scary movie. I mean, I Mm. vacillate between the original Halloween and the first Scream. Uh, The first Scream is what got me into scary movies in the first place, but of course, like, where does one go from there back to the originals? Um, I think that John Carpenter's original Halloween is masterful in a very artistic sense. Um, and it is what I will first and foremost present as like, this is my favorite movie. It's the artsy one of the horror movies. For and sure. also scream because it's really fun. <laughs> so yeah, I would say that um, my, my relationship is uh, that I watch it every Halloween on Halloween while I'm carving a pumpkin and getting ready for the inevitable party that's happening at my house.
2: Yes. Um, Wait, but can we stop since you mentioned pumpkins because I'm just now noticing your background. <laughs> I just need an, ex. well, the, the audience needs an explanation of what is happening behind you.
0: So I'm sitting in my art studio um, and I have three of those plastic blue mold trick-or-treat pumpkins with lights in them. And then one over here, actual pumpkin next to it, which is waiting to be carved on Halloween when I watch Halloween. <laughs>
1: Also, you, we, we can't not talk about the wonderful sweater. Oh, yeah, look.
3: Oh, I didn't oh, even. that's perfect.
1: Yeah, it is a,
0: it's a Michael Myers knit sweater.
2: Oh, it's actually knit?
0: Yeah, it's actually knit.
2: Oh, that's really cool. We have to find these guys. We need matching ones. <laughs> I'll send <laughs> you the link
0: later. Right? I think they're made by Middle of Beyond. They do a whole bunch of ugly sweaters for all seasons, and they have a, a deep horror line. Mm. Cool. Yeah.
2: Well, we, is my money, I mean, <laughs> truly, if, if not to just spend it all in every Halloween store. So you mentioned, well, Brian mentioned that you are an artist, an incredible artist. I have been following you since Brian has uh, shown me your work. It is absolutely incredible. Can you speak a little bit about how you got into artistry, this specific artistry that you're in? Can you give mm-hmm. us your Instagram? Tell us everything.
0: So uh, I have always been, uh, I was an artsy kid. I've been artistic my whole life. Um, I studied both theater and fine art in college. Um, And coming out of that, realized that I wasn't so good at acting, but I was much better at the fine art stuff um, and leaned a lot into that, into my adult life. Most of what I do is a little little macabre, maybe a little creepy, a little other, but it's also very like approachable, kind of cute. It like, I always want everything to straddle that line between cute and creepy. I want it to be approachable and fun, just like I like the holiday. Um, So I try and bring a little bit of that sensibility to everything that I do. Um, Most of my original work centers around a serial character that I came up with, named Pumpkinhead um yeah. who is a uh famed horror monster that i love mm-hmm. um and he pretty much uh has this like jack skellington way of like trying to do everyday things or celebrate other holidays but always kind of like mucks it up and brings like a weird creepy aesthetic to everything and mm-hmm. it's not not me <laughs> but it isn't me like he is it, Pumpkinhead is his own entity but he's also like kind of me
2: he's a part of you that's totally yeah part. yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. truly a part of me <laughs> yeah so you have something interesting going on on your instagram during mm-hmm. the month of october can you talk about that a little bit
0: yeah so my instagram is Woods. uh hallow like halloween and woods like matt woods my last name um I am participating in Inktober, which is a a, a drawing prompt. Um, There's 31 prompts, one for each day. And I have done a series of little four inch by four inch original ghosts uh, based around each of those prompts. And I am auctioning them off every day, starting at noon. Or one if I'm late, <laughs> uh, and uh, the Course, or sunrise. eight p.m. if Instagram goes down. Yeah, that day. <laughs>
3: <That's>...
0: <laughs> like you are ruining my day, Instagram. <laughs> I'm supposed to be selling artwork right now.
2: <laughs> no, that's uh, incredible. I literally the recent one that I've I've reposted a lot of your works just on the fly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> one that I really enjoy that you've done uh, this Inktober it was one with Wednesday Adams because I'm obsessed oh yeah with Adam's family. and I did not realize that you were actually auctioning them off because I would have fought everyone on Instagram <laughs> To have that specific picture because I thought this is fantastic. I just love, and I also love how you described your artwork because it's something that's kind of cutesy but also fun and a part of your love for Halloween and spooky things, which mm-hmm. is why we are all here. And I think that's a perfect way to describe it because when I look at it, it's like that's exactly the vibe that I get. It's like pumpkin heads; it's very much more approachable. <laughs> your pumpkin. <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, not not the the spooky or things, but
1: well, so- Nikisha. yes, Jamie and I have a gift for you when we see you next week for the first oh. time. We got you a pumpkin head Halloween <laughs> countdown calendar uh, illustrated by Matthew Woods. Oh my gosh, you're the
3: best! I'm dead. The way we have that- it, I was surprised that you like physically have it because I was like, wait, that was in our kitchen. Where did that come from? Oh yeah, I was really confused. To.
2: <laughs> no that's fantastic i'm literally gonna like frame each and every month and just be like here we go we're gonna have a now a, a wall of like matthew wood art in my house i'm very uh, thank excited you. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic well i know brian already asked you like about your favorite scary movie but because we and y'all stop me if y'all have other questions too but uh, i was thinking about this on my 10-hour drive to virginia <laughs> <laughs> because we are a podcast that talks about psychology and human behavior, I was wondering what horror movie do you think that you could survive, that you would make the best human behavior decisions in and that you would actually come out on top as far as your skill set and such? Which movie do you think?
0: Oh, man. That's a really good question. <laughs> I don't think it would be a slasher. Okay, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good runner, but (laughs) that never saves you in a slasher, as we will
2: discuss. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Oh my
0: gosh, Um, that's like the there's like the meme that goes around of uh, Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees talking to each other, and Jason is saying to Michael like, "Oh, I just wait till they trip." (laughs) They always trip. (laughs) Um, Over nothing. I think I would survive a like possession style movie.
2: Mm. Okay. So, like a conjuring moment?
0: Yeah, or- yeah, yeah, yeah. That, mm-hmm. I think that sort of thing doesn't really scare me very much. And yeah. what kind of ghost wants to try and scare someone that doesn't really bother?
2: That is very Fair. true. Yeah, we talk a lot about, um, People who are possessed in those movies are the ones that are the most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that that's a great way to kind of combat that. It's like I mean, this is these things don't bother me. So yeah, move on to the next. You know, there's other plenty of sad. You know, people who are.
0: (laughs) I'm a really heavy sleeper, so bump in the night (laughs) or whatever.
2: (laughs) Fantastic. Okay. Well, are we are we getting into this? Are we going into the Halloween?
1: I think we should I Is think it we should time? begin. Time to I think Halloween. It's time. Oh, it's time.
2: <laughs> it's time, time, time. oh my gosh. Guys, let me roll up my sleeves and then <laughs> let's get into it. So, I'm just going to give the stats and then we're just going to all have a a huge discussion about our feelings. So, of course, we said that we're mainly focusing on the latest release that came out this weekend, Halloween Kills, which is the direct sequel. But going back, we watched the original Halloween. It was, again, 1978, directed and scored by John Carpenter and co-written with producer Deborah Hill. It stars Donald Pleasance, Nick Castle, and Jamie Lee Curtis in her acting debut... Fantastical job. Yay, Jamie Lee. We love her. We stand for her. Going on to Halloween, retconning all the way through because this is actually the 11th installment, Halloween 2018. It was directed by David Green and written by Green, Jeff Fradley, and Danny McBride. Jamie Lee and Nick Castle reprised their role along with a stuntman named James Jude Courtney playing Michael Myers as well. With Nick Castle, and additional casting includes Judy Greer, Andy Matichok, and Will Patton. Then we skip on to Halloween Kills. Obviously, just came out twenty twenty one, the twelfth installment in the series, but also but just the third one in this timeline. Hmm. Directed by David Green again, and written by Green, Danny McBride, and Scott Teams with everyone reprising their roles along with some reprising roles from the OG, which was really nice to see. I'm sure we'll talk about all of those entries and how they weave those things together. And my impatient self literally saw one character and was like, wait, how do I know him from the first movie? Let me go back to the first one and then try to find the scene where he's in and then try to connect the two. <laughs> Even though literally five minutes later in the movie, they tell you exactly who the yeah, movie to too. <laughs> <clears throat> But I was like, no, I have to figure this out before because I don't know if they're going to tell me. I need to know now. So, really sleuthing. I was on the hunt, okay, <laughs> to have everything, everything there and ready. Only because we have a guest too, so I was like, let me at least kind of know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but so Matthew, we do a fun game—a two-minute plot summary.
1: Watch the plot. <laughs>
2: Brian, do you want to get into that? Yeah.
1: So what we typically do is we give everyone, we give somebody a two minute timer to describe the plot of the movie. So I think what we're going to do here is whoever wants to play totally fine. doesn't matter who you're going to get a one minute and one movie. So you have to describe the plot of the movie. Spoilers are totally fine. Go from beginning to end the plot of that movie. Does anyone want to play?
2: We'll let you our guests play a game. <laughs> We'll let our guests pick first And then we'll pick after Uh,
1: I want the original, obviously Great So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set a timer for three minutes Okay And then I'll let everybody know When, like, your 30 seconds is here When your minute is up And then the next person has to, like, tag team in So when I tell Matt that his minute is up It doesn't matter if he's one-fifth of the way through the movie You start the next one So... (laughs) So who who wants to do Halloween 2018?
2: I mean, I'll do it. It's I, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs>
1: okay, uh, and then Jamie, do you want to do Halloween kills in a minute? Sure.
2: I know we just
3: watched it, but like you I'm did. already trying to rack my brain to remember yeah, everything. Totally.
1: So are are we all set to play a little game? Yeah. Let's,
2: let's. All right. Let's-
1: Five, four, three, two, one.
0: Go for it, Matt. Once upon a time in 1978, there was a lonely teenage girl (laughs) named Laurie Strode. Uh, She was uh, uh, hanging out with her friends. They're all like smoking pot and talking about boys. And she's like, I have to carry my books. Um, And they uh, are all babysitting the night of Halloween. Um, There's a killer on the loose. I forgot that's how it starts. A killer gets out of a mental institution. There we go. Uh, and he is roaming around the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, and he is stalking people, picking up masks and knives, getting ready for the big night. All the girls go to their various uh, places to babysit.
1: 15 seconds.
0: Oh, <laughs> they all get have sex, drink beer, smoke pot, get killed. Jamie Lee Curtis comes face to face with him. I mean, Lori Strode comes face to face with him. She tells the kids to run. Uh, she hides in a closet. He smashes into the closet. <laughs> she gets him with a coat hanger, and he gets shot by the doctor, Loomis. And
1: uh, Nikisha, go.
2: Retcon, 40 years later, we see that he is now escaped again. He is looking for Laurie. She is held up in a house. She's traumatized by all the events. She has all of these mental illnesses because of the trauma that she experienced. She has like a daughter who has another daughter and she's trying to protect them. So now, like, the granddaughter of it all is the one that has the friends smoking the pot and having the sex and doing the things. And uh, Michael comes and tries to kill all of her friends. And then He ends up finding Lori And Lori is trying to gather All of her family together So that she can protect him But to no avail Even though he gets into The house She tries to shoot him And then Fire up Her whole house Burn up her whole house
1: Five Four (laughs) He's dead Jamie Okay
3: continuing directly from the fire uh firefighters go to the house they try to put out the fire michael myers murders all the firefighters in real life firefighters really don't like that um there's the folks are celebrating the 40th anniversary of michael being arrested um and these are all the people from the og film there's also like a brief retcon for some reason for a very brief second of the cop who apparently was there uh when he got away to show what happens immediately after or whatever no one cares um a bunch of people do a bunch of incredibly stupid things and all get killed the entire town of Haddonfield Illinois ends up at this hospital they uh get into some kind of rage 15. and this guy accidentally uh kills himself one of the escaped people uh Lori realizes that the world doesn't revolve around her Michael Myers murders everybody in the town and then Lori Strode's daughter dies and then uh I, I think that's it. They're all looking out windows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're, that's all fun. Just, they're all just looking out windows. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And That's the plot. <laughs> I a pretty bang up I, job of. Oh I, yeah! Round of applause for for all you of all us. You all did that an was...
1: amazing job. The, my <laughs> favorite part, my truly favorite part, was that Matt set up what teenagers do, and you all just went like that. that. Was the threat? I love <laughs> that. That was so good.
2: <laughs> oh gosh! So Ooh. I guess I'm just um go one by one and talk about our initial thoughts with this movie in relation to. Watching it all back to back and some of the things you like, some of the things you didn't like, but then we'll specifically dive into the uh, mental health of it all. So just hold on to that. So, Matthew, let's talk about your original thoughts on uh, Halloween Kills.
0: Um, so I'm going to preface this by saying I love a horror movie that surprises me. And this movie surprised me. It was not what I expected it to be. Um, That being said, I also didn't love it. Um, I feel like it was, it felt like a sequel. You know what I mean? Like Mm. I would never choose to watch Halloween Kills as a standalone movie not only because it's a direct continuation of the last one, but because the plot felt very thin to me and they cranked up the violence to make it interesting, which Mm -hmm. was a good time. It was like a a wild bloody romp. Um, And there is something to be said for that when you're talking about horror movies. Um, But it, it felt like we did almost a loop in the story and ended up right back where we were with a few minor pins added.
2: Yeah. No, I agree with that. Jamie? Yeah, I feel similarly. Um,
3: I mean, we, when we rewatched 2018 and then this one, I just, I forgot how violent 2018 was. And then this kind of like continued to really amp it up. It, I mean, it kind of felt similar to Rob Zombie's Halloweens, which mm-hmm. are also very violent, um, but, while I'm, I guess I'm glad that they finally kind of acknowledge that there was this trauma that occurred in this town and like how that impacted the town. Um, it's also weird because this is literally the first time that the town has ever acknowledged it or like that they've ever put a spotlight on the town acknowledging it, which seemingly comes out of nowhere. So I wasn't crazy about that. Um, but also Something that I think is interesting that they do with this movie, and I was listening to another podcast about it, but, like, the idea that it's not really all about Lori, that it's more that, like, Michael Myers is just, like, a, a murderer who has no remorse and is, like, incredibly strong. Like, it's not about this... Face off between Lori and Michael Myers, even though that's what every everything is gearing you up to believe that, like, it's really not all about her. That once she realizes that the other psychiatrist was just trying to bring them back together, because, like, everyone else seems to believe this is true. Lori believes it's true. Her entire life is basically like hinging upon this idea that she has to gear herself up for this final face off. And then it happens and and like life continues and and there there's so much talk about like him ending up back at the hospital that she's at and ultimately like he's not going there. He's going back to his house. Um, so it's just it's really interesting when there's this realization of like, oh, no, like it's not. It's, it's not this like big face off between us two. It's just like, he's, this is just what he is. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that like Halloween ends takes us to a place where it's like, let's just get this guy and like take all the other stuff out of it. But yeah, I'm very curious to see where it continues to go, but um, I wasn't too crazy about this one.
2: Yeah. Brian, go ahead. So,
1: As we all may or may not know, I have a huge hole in my movie knowledge is horror movies. So like I've been really catching up watching all this. I had never seen a Halloween movie until Jamie and I watched the original one uh, during quarantine. Um, I have never seen any other Halloween movie until Jamie and I watched 2018 last week and then Halloween kills. So I know nothing of H2O. I know nothing of Halloween 2 or I've Never seen
0: Lich. H2O.
1: No, <laughs> I, That's I read my the...
0: favorite of the franchise. Well, no. yeah. I already said the first one is. I can't. Yeah, I know. I... No more retcon. There's enough retcon
1: yeah. in this movie. Yes. Um, so I went into this not knowing the other versions of Laurie. Um I I I I recognize that I I understand the main plot threads of the other ones like the brother aspect the all that stuff but obviously we're not talking about that. So watching this is like and I've never seen the Rob Zombie one. So watching this is like brand new to me. I I love the original one. I mean I I I it's just like it's magical in and it's in its in it like there's something very magical about it in a, in a, in a, in a, both like a, a, a history perspective of movie making, a history of horror movies, but also like, if you don't know anything about like the importance of that movie, it's still awesome. So like, there's something magical about that. The second <clears throat> Halloween 2018 surprised me. I loved it. I thought it was a spectacular movie. I, I thought everything about it was really, really great. The performances, how they, how they pulled from the first one and like how these characters would potentially deal with it in a more contemporary way of telling that story. <laughs> I thought this one was very interesting and I think the concepts that they went through in this one are incredible. I love the idea of like how this trauma affects the town. I think it's super interesting for Lori to take a backseat in this one and then kind of see how everyone, this is a very narcissistic movie. Everyone believes that their trauma, Jamie talked about this a little bit. Everyone believes that their trauma is the important trauma and everyone thinks that, or, or they believe that Lori is the queen of trauma and they're like worried about her or whatnot. I think that's (laughs) super interesting and how, (laughs) All of them in that hospital Like this mob mentality How does the concept of like How fear affects all of these people I just think that's so interesting As like a secondary follow up to what we got in 2018 I just don't think That pun intended it was executed That well to get those points Across Um, (laughs) But I still like I liked it more thinking back on what the themes are Than like how it presented all these things Um the one thing I was most happy about this movie is my biggest concern with Halloween 2018 was that I didn't know what happened to that little boy. Um, And then he was, and then he was on the TV giving an interview and uh, that relieved everything for me because he is such a delight in that second one. Well, he has to watch his babysitter die, but he's like, Oh, he was the funniest thing. Like, anyway, that that's my thoughts. I'm happy. I know what happens to that little boy.
2: I remember just to piggyback, on, I remember watching the 2018 Halloween in theaters and just everyone exploding every time that boy came on. It was just like a great, a great time for him to be uh on the screen and just be yelling at <laughs> the boyfriend to be like, you need to run, but I'm, also <laughs> right. I'm not going to help. What do do uh,
1: I'm not gonna stop doing. I <laughs> these 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 two movies have my favorite lines of all time.
2: <laughs> wait wait wait! Can I guess one of them? Can I guess one yeah, of them? Of course. Okay, for the uh, Halloween Kills movie, because this got me. Uh, oh, shoot! Look at that sassy tackle. So that's the Halloween.
1: That's the Halloween Kills one. That's my favorite line <laughs> of Halloween Kills. The sassy tackle. <laughs> oh. <laughs> my favorite line in Halloween is I got peanut butter on my penis. <laughs>
0: Oh man, I got peanut butter on my penis. As he doesn't, it, it's on his pants.
2: Yes. He says it like three
3: Why? times. Why? Why? It's not a thing. Oh, but rest in peace though.
1: No, the second he opened that door and was just like, oh, what's happening out here? I'm just like, you know what? You're going to get blood on your you penis. You deserve sir. this. Yeah. <laughs>
2: certain trajectory though, or like the ones that are going to die. Like the minute that they say any, the first thing they say, you're like, oh, you're going to be dead like 45 minutes into the movie. Okay. I don't need to be Mm -hmm. invested in you, which is pretty sad. I share the same sentiments as you guys. I feel like, like Matthew said, it was nice to be surprised because I was very happy. The connection between the Ronnie and that is the granddaughter's boyfriend's son, you know, like Ronnie, uh, who in the first movie was bullying Tommy, but then they become friends when they get older. And so I don't know, it was just nice to have like that connection of like the granddaughter and all of her friends. Like that's the connection with the friends in the 1978 movie. And, but I feel like the approach of having, The townspeople is kind of like a little bit of a cop-out. It's like, we want to make two more movies. How can we stretch out these Hmm. two movies? So let's have a thing where we just bring back people so we can have this moment of like nostalgia from, and you kind of figure out what's going on with the people 40 years later, as they explain, every three seconds uh, along with evil dies tonight, which if I hear that line one more time, I'm literally (laughs) going to actually kill myself like that other. <laughs> lady. And the random freaking gun. He slaps it, her wrist and then she shoots herself. What the fuck? Anyway, I was just, a lucky oh yeah, I want to,
3: oh my God. <laughs> I want to get into, I, I really want to get into all of the kills that like, oh, how, like okay. how and why. Um, but-
1: I'll, Jamie yelled at the TV. Well, we we I did gonna it on. I was going to say, Peacock.
3: I wanted I wanted Brian to describe my state watching this movie. I she
1: doesn't do this. We 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 got it on Peacock because that was our only opportunity, and um, uh, I am all for going to the movie theaters. I'm just I just uh, we we had to watch it. Um, and she yelled at the TV. That doesn't happen. She literally like just like oh my gosh! I I got scared. I thought I thought I got scared. That was the scariest part of the movie for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Jamie, I was the same way, like Cancer Tribe, just yelling at the screen because <laughs> the, the kills of it all. And it's like a lot. It's, it's so farcical, too, because it's like at least in the 2018, it's like, OK, we know that they're trying to be like serious with these kills. And like the ones in Halloween kills literally were just like this is the they decided what is the dumbest decision that these people can make to die. <laughs> and that's what we're going to go with. Every single, every single one. And it's just like, you know, that all these town people are going to die at some point, but like, there's no investment truly in them unless you are recalling the 40 years later. And so then like, even if they are dying, you're like, oh, that's sad that they lived 40 years and then now they're dead again because of this guy. But there's just no true like emotional connection to anything that is happening. And again, like I said, I just feel like this movie was just because they want to set up, the ending ending but they needed something to like do before then and so they were like well let's just throw all the town people in there because there's no one else that's going to be returning to the last movie because they're all
1: we did get Big John and Little John in this one and I just need to point out (laughs) that Big John and Little John are now some of my favorite characters in all of the (laughs) Halloween three movies I've seen Um,
2: from Mad TV yes,
1: yeah
0: uh Mm -hmm.
2: every time I was like look what I do? Die.
1: They
0: introduced so many townspeople just to kill them. To kill them yes. all. Like, I want to know more about the bougelet Nouveau Cheez-It couple with the uh, the fucking, with the flying thing. The, the drone. drone. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> like, what was their night up to?
2: <laughs> Which is just like, why was she
3: flying I, that drone? Like oh, yeah, what, was, I, what was happening?
1: I, I forgot about them until this moment. I want... Honestly, I would have rather a movie just like, like cats, where you go to every house. They like tell you a little bit about the family and then like, and
3: And then Michael shows up. And then the guy. Oh my gosh. So the
0: the drone inside in this movie left me thinking like, what? Why? In 2018, the pudding bowl at the high school dance that her phone gets thrown into left me, what? Why? Why wasn't it just punch? Why was it pudding? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good point. Like both of these movies had a very clear like what what is happening
2: here? What w- who going on? Who who decided? Who was the one who said pudding? And they were
0: uh, very obscure things.
2: Yes, absolutely. Well, let's so, gonna say, sorry, I was gonna just say Jamie. She was hot about it, and I was gonna say just go into it.
3: Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm hot. I'm ready. I'm, I'm salty in the, in the attractive way, but also like, I'm so annoyed. Um, like, okay. So everyone's trauma, like this is where I'm going to start talking about the mental health stuff with, I guess my one exception is like, there's no fucking way that anybody's kid would be able to leave the hospital when their grandma got stabbed to like, go try to kill the murderer. Like the fact that, that she, was able to leave that her mom let her go is outrageous but separately um like the idea that the trauma like that they are so wrapped up by the trauma that they're like actively seeking out Michael and then like all end up in like <laughs> shenanigans that that get them killed um like what was the point of having the nurse get killed almost in the same way that she avoided getting killed the original time with like Michael climbing on the car (laughs) and pulling her out. I was like, was that like, okay, cool. You know, doing your homage to the old movie, but like this it's, it's reinforcing their belief, which happens to be wrong. That like, they think that they're the center of the narrative, but they're only the center of the narrative because they put themselves in that position. And if they just decided to like seek shelter or like, or not, look for him in that way by themselves without enough support, then none of this would have happened. Um, and so it's like infuriating to me that, that then like they see the kids who are playing on the swings. They're like, let's get out. Let's one person get out. And like, why not go in a group? Like having you all, it's also infuriating because they've all experienced this, this trauma that has bonded them. So you would think that with time, they would understand or even from that experience that they would understand like how it all works I mean that's less of a trauma thing and more of just like these are people doing stupid things but it just makes me so mad but like I think it's because of the way that they've like processed this trauma and feel like they like that they are these integral pieces that are connecting them back to Michael Myers that like that in turn also leads to their demise Mm -hmm. but like The reality is the viewer is that actually they they just all made a bunch of like really poor decisions and mistakes and if they avoided his like path to his house that they would not have succumbed to those fates um like that's the only intersection that i see and so it's just really interesting how they like because it's really up until the end i guess when when the other escapee dies that like the town somehow the message is, you know, throughout the town as a whole that they realize that the the mistake was made um, telepathically, but yeah, it's like nobody realizes that if they all just didn't do what they were to, what, what their trauma was like motivating them to do in that moment that, that they would have been safe. And it's just very interesting. And I don't even know if that's like, in line with how trauma, like, like, I don't know if trauma would lead you to then like operate against your instincts in those situations. Cause it seems like their instincts should have told them to like not do those things, but they continue to put themselves in harm's way.
0: Some people never learn.
3: <laughs>
0: Some I mean,
2: people. That's like death after death. And the fact, like you said, Jamie, they're not moving in groups as well. It's like, let me just one by one isolate myself <laughs> In a high stress situation and just let me see what happens I don't have any kind of like you know weapons on me Because even when the uh, woman when they were all in the car And they were trying to warn the kids at the park Mm -hmm. Did she have anything in her hand? No she's just like go kids go home And there you are just like ripe for the picking of just death So sorry Brian you're gonna say something? Oh, yeah. That
1: was interesting. So so a couple things. The juxtaposition of the characters uh, understanding and knowing the high stakes of the situation did not match some of their actions. Like The point of this movie is they know what can happen. That's why this mob breaks out, because they're all aware of the stories and all of that. But a lot of their actions, uh, at least the individuals, didn't kind of match that. I like the idea that I think this movie is trying to say that like your fear gets you in like the fear of these things led them. The woman died the same way that she almost died in the first one, like all of that. And and I totally understand that. So I guess my question to all of you is like, how do you think this movie handled the trauma of the individual versus the trauma of the group? Because clearly this movie is trying to make a statement and a point about an individual's trauma versus like the group's trauma. Did that come across to you? Did you feel that way? We can go around the circle, but I, that that was just like, to me, that was the fascinating concept about this because I don't think I've ever seen a horror movie Um <laughs> where they're really trying as hard to really um, break down that aspect of things like that, that group trauma, that, that town trauma. Like,
2: I just want to say really quickly, and then y'all can talk about that, but in that, Mob mentality I think they Failed because it was just like sheep Being led to the slaughter and there was No kind of actual plan That was happening we just It was just inevitable like the audience Knows that all of them are going to die because they're just Making stupid decisions and just Going very a- kill the beast Yes yes mm. exactly <laughs> And to your point about movies not focusing on the group as a whole, I think what made Midnight Mass work was the fact that they took the time individually to go through all of these different characters, and then you get into the drama of it all and the group as a whole focusing on the trauma and their inevitable demise. Spoiler alert for those who hadn't watched Midnight Mass, but do that because it's great. But I think- that That is a good example of a horror mini series, whatever the case may be, that was focusing on the traumas of a group and how they are trying to do that. And this movie, it was just, they threw it in there and there was no like individual, um, you know, they weren't talking about the individual traumas. It was just like a whole group moving as a herd and then all being led to the slaughter. So Jamie or Matthew on that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so... This is actually not the first time in the Halloween franchise that the town of Haddonfield has responded with a mob um, to group trauma. In Halloween 4, it's almost the same scenario. Michael Myers is on the loose. It's not Tommy Doyle who grabs the baseball bat, but there's a baseball bat with a name etched in it. I can't remember what the name is, but it's the same bat in this movie. He grabs Ah. it from behind the bar and he leads a mob to go and find (laughs) Michael Myers in the town. Spoiler, they end up killing a bunch of innocent people thinking they got Michael Myers. Granted, they are dressed the same as Michael Myers for (laughs) Halloween because they know the stories. Um, But it was, I, I understood the like, the homage to a movie in the franchise that we're not gonna, we're not, we're retconning, we're referencing but pretending like wasn't a part of this already. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and as far as like the the individual traumas and the individual stories, I always think of this quote that I heard on a podcast called Welcome to Night Vale, uh, where they say, death is only the end if you think the story is about you and mm. Mm. all of these people that were led to the slaughter, the story wasn't about them. Mm. And as far as trying to say that the story isn't about Laurie Strode either is kind of ridiculous to me because it is about her. Like, I mm. don't buy that. Uh. I know they're like putting her in a backseat, but like you don't think we're going to get a huge Lori Michael showdown in Halloween ends twist the story is about them it always has been and it is going to be again we're just like doing a loop until we get there which is what i uh, bothered me most about this movie
2: mm. jamie your thoughts
3: yeah i mean <clears throat> i it's i it's, oh man i'm like mad that i don't remember the the other ones that have since been retconned because i was like i remember the, the like Lori Strode's daughter, or something, being the, mm-hmm. the targeted victim, whose name is also Jamie. Um, yes. important to say, um, but I can't remember anything else other than I think they had like a psychic connection, maybe that was like the fifth one or the sixth one. Um, yeah, I should revisit those, but um, I don't know if I have a point other than referencing Jamie from the original lines. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what all the original questions were.
2: Well, let's just get into like Michael Myers mentally because a lot of the question is floating around. Like, why did he choose Lori in the first place? And is he, why is he going back to his house and people not thinking that, you know, he's actually trying to find Lori. And then there's a question posed in the... Uh, 2018 one, I think of uh, along the lines is Michael Myers killing like randomly, or does he have any kind of subconscious of like who he's actually going after? And that's what the doctors are trying to figure out, you know, for some reason, instead of just recognizing him as a killer, they're like, but why is he doing this? Like, does he have a trigger or is it just anyone in his path? He's just like mowing down. So any thoughts about, Michael mentally, like, and what his motivations are, I guess, for why he's killing.
0: In 2018, he doesn't kill a baby. He stops oh, that's right. at the baby and he keeps going. He consciously chooses not to do it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then in this one, in the flashback scene to 1978, he doesn't kill Lonnie on the sidewalk, the little kid who's cowering mm-hmm. in fear. So other than those two, he pretty much kills everybody, dogs included.
1: Well, he yeah. also kills the third kid.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, the kids who go to the big and little John's house, and then they're on the swing set.
1: Oh. Yes. 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 Which is another interesting thing. I'm wondering if it, but also, I'm just throwing it out there. That's the only kid that was wearing a mask of the three of them.
2: Because right. he holds mm. up the costume. Right.
3: Oh, so maybe he was like confused. He's like, oh, no, what did I do? <laughs> I didn't know what to get under there.
1: <laughs> no, that's fascinating that. Yeah, I totally I forgot about um, that in 18. <clears throat> it's interesting because if if I may, I think that I don't. It's fa- that it's, it's very interesting because I, I also believe that these movies are presenting Michael in a very interesting way in that he's going home. Like he is brought to Lori's house by Dr. Loomis's like student. Like he, he's kind of forced off of his path going home to, to Lori's house and he goes in and murders them. And then in this one, in this one he's going home as well. And like, people happen to be in his path. And I'm not saying that like, I don't, I do not know or know or not if he has a vendetta against her, but they put all these movies about, uh, excuse me, about Michael's revenge against them or like not killing them yet. But like, it's really a story about their revenge against him on the trauma that he posed to them. And we definitely in Halloween ends, getting that showdown between him and Lori. and it's going to be spectacular. And like, we're all going to love it. And like, that's going to go down in history as like one of those scenes that like is, is wonderful. And I do think this, they're setting up, there's really setting us up for it in like in a positive way, because like her character has been so well thought out, at least in, in, in these. Um, but like, So so I end with... I kind of end with this. Like, do you think when he kills her daughter, she's literally standing in his spot, like, Mm -hmm. looking out the window? Like, and obviously, this is going to become even more about more revenge because of what he just did to that family. Um, But, like, do you think... Do you think... Sorry, I think of Dear Evan Hansen waving through the window. Um, (laughs) Do you think that... He is, what am I trying to say? <clears throat> Do you think that Michael knew who that person, I mean, I guess he did because he saw it in the second one. Like, I don't know what I'm really asking here. So my question is like, did he kill her because she was in front of the window? If she wasn't there, would he have hunted her out? Or like, was that just a nice scenario for him to like get his revenge while standing by the window, if that makes sense?
3: He's like, oh, how convenient. Stab, stab.
1: <laughs> yeah, That's I don't right know, you, I dear. Yeah, does that? I don't know if that makes sense or doesn't make sense. But do you know where my head is? Kind of in like just like bringing these things up. So that room that she's standing in
0: is his sister's room where right. he killed his sister before and stood at the window. Mm-hmm. Uh. He also kills the cop in the 1978 flashback in front of the same window, doing the same thing. Yes. Uh, so, I imagine he would kill anyone if they were standing there. <laughs> um,
2: Protecting that window.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Twist. This is a love story about Michael Myers <laughs> and Michael Myers looking at himself in the window. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I think he would kill anyone if they were there or in the house or in his path or mm-hmm. except for a baby and one kid.
2: Yeah. It's so interesting too. like, Brian, you bring up that point because now I'm thinking about like, he literally is just killing everyone in his path to go home. And if nobody was around him and he just got home and no one was in the house, like, would these people still be alive? Like he is at home now. What is he wanting to do? Just stay there and stare out the window until he... Grows old, grows old Like what, is the, end, what old. is the end game is I mean he's already old And also how is he recovering i all- he's
1: hunky <laughs> Does everyone else think he's hunky <laughs> Oh most <laughs> certainly <laughs>
3: We saw like a glimpse, like a half second. Yeah, like second. that
1: stubble. Like he's jacked in 2018 when the podcasters are talking to him. Like, oh, I also <laughs> saw you can see the knitting needle scar in his neck that she put in the 78. That I was going to say cool. he's got the one eye from the hanger. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Like it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, you know. He's also you know, burnt
2: too. Dudes like, with scars are hot. Halloween kills. He's burnt from the fire as well. So mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, Freddy Krueger all in one. It's just, you can't <laughs> But like, also how is he healing from these wounds? Like he's been shot, he's been stabbed. Where is he going? Like he's just going home. And how is he like, which lends it, it's lending itself to be like, he's some sort of supernatural being. How do you feel about that aspect of it? Like people are, he is literally getting like stabbed in every which way, even though they're not shooting in the head, which is very dumb. And he's still surviving all of these things. Like, how do you feel about him as, like, a supernatural, like, being, like, that can't die?
0: They say the more he kills, the more he transcends, right? Like, the more mm-hmm. evil he becomes, the stronger he is. You can't kill the boogeyman. Yes. So, I mean, has he always been a supernatural entity, even when he was a child and killed his sister? Or That's a good question. I mean, he made it home in the 1978 film. And he goes out and attacks Lori. Like he's hiding in the condemned house. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he goes into other people's homes, like the, like the, the, the drone couple and the woman Mm -hmm. uh, who he stabs in the head um, when she like closes the window or whatever it was.
3: Mm. (laughs) He's not taking a direct route to
1: his. He's a zigzagger. He's a zigzag walker. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um am to stop, smell the flowers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I also think it's very interesting. So here's another thing that I totally forgot about before. One of the reasons why I love the 2018 one, again, this is so interesting talking to people who have seen all the other ones because like, I'm just like, this is the only timeline I know. Um, so in the 2018 one, what I really like about it that I think it captures that the first one does is the combination of like straight up scary terrifyingness of it mixed with the camp, like the Loomis and all that is super campy in the first one. And then the doctor, they do the same thing in this one, the doctor and the second one is super campy. And the things that he's trying to do there, like the, the contrast between like grounded and campy is so well done in those two movies. This one to me, like loses a little bit of that camp. So when Michael like gets up from being shot a couple times, and then like some of these deaths are deeply gruesome and all these people are talking like, like, like very seriously to each other. It's for me. It wasn't being cut with things that were campy. Even though there's a mob screening Evil Dice Tonight. Even though that some of these deaths were wild and Little John and Big John, it wasn't that same level of camp. Oh my god, I love Big John, Little John. It wasn't the same level of camp that the other ones have to like balance it out. So if there was that camp and he got up from the bullet wounds, I may have been like less. I may have thought about it less than if he did then than than him standing up from that because I like the I love the concept that like I love the concept that other people may think of him as the boogeyman. So that's that fear. They're creating that aspect of the boogeyman that he gets, um, like like Matt said, he gets stronger as he kills i love that idea because because the more that he kills the more fear he instills in other people around him so like his myth becomes larger i think that's one of the most exciting things about michael that he's always there you're like he's always just like even in the first one um she sees him in the classroom across the way she sees him standing in places the kids see him standing in places it's like it's symbolic of like that fear that's always kind of sitting on our shoulder. But in this one, it's actually chasing you and acting on you and you try and get away from it, but you're tripping and falling because you're the one getting in your way of achieving your goal. Um, and you're creating this thing that's behind you. And I think these movies do an excellent job of subconsciously setting that up. Um, and I think this one like is missing the camp that allows for me to like buy into the rest of that. If that makes sense. I like that read on it. Mm. I'm going to sign off now. That's the smartest
2: thing. I say. <laughs> yes. Well, do you we have any other thoughts about it? I mean, I hate that there wasn't like the whole doctor aspect of it too. Cause I think that in itself is something to discuss the doctors wanting to have him go out and kill just for further research and things. But when it's like, no, we don't need a doctor. We have drones. So,
1: <laughs> um, I like, I have a, oh, I have a couple of questions. Um, I liked it in the 2018 one, the, the, again, the 22 was like really struck hard for me. The contrast between the brutality of Michael's killings and the romanticism of the podcasters. They're like spitting this yarn where it's like, Lori, tell us about what happened. Like, we're going to solve this. Isn't murder beautiful because it happened so long ago? Like your hair is so gray and elegant, so much trauma. Tell us. <laughs> and meanwhile like like Michael is dangerous. He murdered you like like nobody escapes in this movie except for you know like at the like it's really deeply disturbing and i really like that combination of like like to me it was like we've heard the michael story like for 40 years all of like all of us and like we're in love with these movies we romanticize the campiness and whatnot and i like that aspect of like that nostalgia for the first one like aligning with our nostalgia for what the first one and what actually happened um and then like they're just like they just destroy the podcast i i thought that was a really nice way of like like shaking us up and be like no, no 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 like this is this is we're doing this um
3: why don't you talk like that on this
1: podcast
3: so Lori's hair was just so um <laughs> I you.
0: Was so, don't you find that offensive as a podcaster
1: <laughs> yeah no i love it I, no i love it um so they never say it outright but jamie is Lori's daughter a therapist? Because in 2018, they say, oh, I canceled my sessions for this afternoon. And she says cognitive behavior therapy, but they never outright say she's a therapist. Like, I guess like if your mom raises you that way with like basement shooting lessons, like, you, like, I guess like you tend to go towards like helping other people. Like,
2: Well, also to that point, Brian, sorry, before Jamie answers, they also talk about, or the daughter talks about like why her mom like doesn't even want to do therapy at all. And she's like tried to get her to. So maybe that is a point, like she might be a therapist because she was trying to also get her mom into cognitive behavioral therapy.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know if she herself, I caught that too. I don't know if she herself is a therapist, but I can also imagine given the trauma that Judy Greer's character goes through as a child with Laurie Strode as her mom, she herself has probably been to many a therapist and like, is probably very familiar with treatment. Just like having also taken on another level of PTSD, like trauma that her mom put on her. It's like this, this, like Michael Myers, like is, you know, Bringing trauma to everyone, not just directly, but like secondary trauma, tertiary trauma, like this generational trauma that's being passed down. So even if she herself isn't a mental health professional, which like everyone should be, but um, I'm sure she's like, you know, familiar with the biz.
2: Uh, To that point, why do you think that Lori or someone in that position who has that kind of trauma would refuse therapy?
3: I mean, I think it's, I think we see more of it in the second one of like her kind of making sense of, of like feeling like it's not just about her and that it's more of like, he's just this evil entity killing whatever's in his way to his home. Um, But I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons why like people don't seek out therapy after a traumatic event. Um, Like some people, compartmentalize they think in a very like adaptive way and are able to kind of like push things deep, deep, deep down. And, and again, like think it's not affecting them. Um, other folks rely heavily on like their support systems, but that also sometimes can be like taxing on those support systems. When you hear about like really awful things from your friends and family, like sometimes that can be a lot to take on from somebody else. And so like they might someone could be like using their existing supports as a way to, to get some of that stuff out um, and not necessarily recognizing how that could be impacting the people around them too. So like, I, I think also there's like, you know, uh, there's an element of like at some point you're going to have to talk about what happened to you. And, you know, as humans, we tend to avoid unpleasant distressing things. So like who wants to talk about trauma? Um, But like, unfortunately, you know, that's, a lot of times how you work through the trauma. There's, I mean, there's all these like new and fancy therapies. Like I got trained in eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is new and fancy and like less, like, let's talk about everything that happened and more like kind of does similar things with like, when you go through REM sleep and like you're you know, the things that are happening in your brain, it like sets to kind of rewire some of that because like trauma like messes with our brains and does a whole bunch of things to our brains as we've talked about in like other episodes about like messing with our memory. And like, we might recall information not in like a linear fashion. So there's like all of those things too can also, you know, affect somebody's willingness to want to seek a therapist. But, um, but yeah, you should because therapy is great.
2: Therapy is great. I'm in cognitive <laughs> behavioral therapy. I'll say it a million times over, and it changed my entire existence. Person. Last thing on that, because I did have questions about this, but I wanted to mainly focus on Halloween kills. But in conjunction with everything that we're talking about with Lori and how movies can exaggerate things for dramatical purposes. With Lori's behavior being like she is a drinker, she can't be in public, so like she has that fit when they're at the dinner table in the 2018 uh Halloween. Uh, and obviously like post-traumatic stress disorder, and she has a near-death experience. Like, is that behavior believable for someone who has experienced a near-death experience? Like Lori. totally.
3: Yeah. Um, Like when I mentioned people don't like to talk about or think about or like want to have anything to do with their trauma, like avoidance is a key. Avoidance is like a symptom of post-traumatic stress disorder. Like we don't want to deal with it. So we're going to like do whatever we can to not deal with it. And sometimes avoidance can look like you know, using substances to cope because like numbing yourself out feels more doable than like having to experience all of the things that the trauma brought out. So that's definitely believable. Um, she's also like very on edge, super hypervigilant, like the way that her like behavior is actually portrayed in 2018, like very, very believable for someone who experienced a trauma i
2: should, sorry that they were agoraphobic just for the listeners. Can you describe what that is? Yeah, that
3: is a fear of going outside. Folks tend to become recluse, stay home, um, you know, like they will uh, do whatever they can to be able to function and operate in the home without ever having to leave and go outside, um, which is, you know, like connected to anxiety and like, you know, panic and and all of that all of those, uh, mental health concerns. So it, it definitely, again, like makes sense that like all of these things are connected, but I also imagine part of that is like amped up for the fact that like, she's built this huge, uh, like safe house prison type compound. And so I'm sure that takes a lot of time, many years to construct, uh, a weird movable. I really want that movable Island in my future kitchen home, like a safe house where I just like push that thing aside. And then also the, the blade door that is, yeah. that comes out. That was cool. Absolutely.
0: Do you That's think happening. that, do you think that uh Lori also is resistant to getting mental help because she has been dismissed about her fear of Michael Myers because he's in prison. They keep saying he's in jail. He's not coming after you. And like, and that she feels like she hasn't been heard for a long time as well. And that like, it's obviously compounded, like for, she's traumatized her daughter who is mm-hmm. upset at her for what she did to her as a child and instilled this kind of fear, but come to find out she was right all along.
3: Because like
0: she has- Not much trouble talking to her granddaughter who believes her. Mm
3: -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I, I think I talked about this in another episode too, just about like how support plays such a huge role in navigating mental illness and, um, like the, the likelihood of, you know, successfully functioning with mental illness is increased like significantly if you have a really solid support system. So I can imagine that like this trauma that Lori Strode has experienced is prolonged because like time and time again, she's being dismissed and told that like her experience, while valid, that like her ongoing like struggle with with navigating it is like no longer valid after this period of time that like it's less valid because he is hospitalized and not getting out and like you're totally safe and you're overreacting and you're blowing this out of proportion and like all of that is I mean all of that's naturally going to like want you to isolate yourself from other people like why would you put yourself in a situation where everybody's telling you that you're wrong um and then she's not to like sucks for them but um (laughs) but yeah i mean anyways (laughs) very true um but yeah it's a town
1: of two baby
3: (laughs) (laughs) oh man
0: yeah great i think we're seeing a new um like a new generation of kind of slasher if that makes any sense so -hmm. like in one of the earliest slashers, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, was in 1974. And um, in this book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in the Modern Ooh. Horror Film by Carol cool. Clover, she coined the term final girl. Nice. Um, she talks about uh, how the final girl in that movie, Sally, is, um, is all passive defense. She runs. She runs, she runs, she runs. She doesn't fight back. She just, like, books it the whole time. She survives. And then only four years later, we get Halloween, where Laurie Strode runs for a little bit, but then she turns and she goes on active defense. Mm-hmm. So she like, she's resourceful with the knitting needle and the coat hanger, and she's like hiding and protecting herself. She survives. The Halloween in 2018 is the next step from active defense to active offense. Mm-hmm. Laurie Strode is ready She chases Michael Myers, like she's got traps. She's got like, she's ready to take this guy on. And now this one, she's kind of removed from the situation temporarily. So we're seeing the town step in for her on an active offense, um, which is an interesting, like the frog leap from the 74 defense, passive defense defense. It's just like, it's interesting to like track the whole arc of mm-hmm. the final yep. girl survival strategy.
2: Well, do you feel like that is because of time and where we are and like how mm-hmm. we are, you know, and do you also think like that offense type thing is what we're seeing in newer slasher movies? I mean, there's not a lot of newer slasher, hardcore slasher movies, but in that essence, like, more people just trying to at least try and fight back.
0: Yeah. And especially if you look at it, like Brian was saying, if Michael Myers represents like the things that you fear, like primally, going on an active offense is kind of like getting help in a certain way. Like if you're facing your fears, if you're fighting back, like seeing a therapist and like, having a support system and things like that is active offense for the things that you fear internally.
2: Yeah, that's great. Also, can you send us that book? Because that sounds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Well, when she refers to modern horror, like Halloween is modern in this. So it's a little dated in the way that it talks about like gender identity and things like that. Um, But it is. It's definitely an interesting read, especially within the like 70s horror when it, slashers were really hitting.
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, like, there's nothing new under the sun now. Like, everything is, you know, mm-hmm. an amalgamation of, you know, all the origin things. So that kind of is. don't know.
1: Like- we recently watched one movie that uh, definitely taught us something new, uh, malignant.
2: Are you talking about uh, <laughs> HBO Gabriel?
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> on HBO, on HBO, on HBO Gabriel. Gabriel.
1: Um but uh yeah um Matt I know I also asked you um if you had any uh, uh, do you have any other um thoughts or like um like uh mental health or or human behavior type questions to bring to the table all when I when I
0: first started having this conversation I said that this that this movie surprised me what I was thinking about was um the attacks on the Capitol and how uh, a mob mentality makes people lose their humanity. And I saw that in this film, they made this film before that happened, but I could not help but see current events in that kind of
1: mob mentality. Sure. That I didn't expect for that kind of horror. So here's the question. Does that make a movie like this more effective or less effective because you're you're associating it with something real versus being able to set like this being an escape for you?
0: Hmm. I think it it made it more effective for me. Um, otherwise, I would have just seen it as like, oh, this is a
1: great homage to Halloween four. Hmm. That's great. <laughs> um it's so interesting that this. I mean, this was made before everything because we also just saw um, we saw the new Bond movie recently, mm-hmm. and um, that was also made obviously before the pandemic. And there's an element of that that um, that you can't not think about what we've been through, um, mm-hmm. and like, and and uh, we talked talk about this. Like, a lot of TV shows now are incorporating what we've been through. So there's this big conversation about. Um, it's how you view your entertainment and if you like seeing your life reflected or if you like disassociating with it and just like being in a different world. So this, that's, this is, this is, I think for years to come, this is going to be a fascinating conversation both in terms of art and in terms of like uh, uh, um, absorbing the art around you. Yeah. And
0: I think especially in a horror
1: is often reflective
0: of the horrors that we experience as a society Um, and so I think that we will get a wave of not pandemic related horror per se, but like maybe isolation or like unseen enemies or things like that will translate in the next several years in the kind of horror that we're seeing come
1: out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anybody else have anything? These movies are wild.
2: No. They all <laughs> die tonight. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> hashtag you can't kill the boogeyman. So.
1: <laughs> oh, I also liked from the 2018 one, I'm just looking at my nose here, when they said there's a reason we're supposed to be afraid of this night. Um, I, re- I don't know if that's something that this series has said a lot in other movies, um, but I really like that. I think that, the, I think that that like really encapsulates for me why like this yes it's called Halloween but I think that the movies associate like the fear of Halloween really well in these um um and also uh that in like I really like Trick or Treat and um I, I, I say that because like there's some movies are horror movies that you like and some movies are just like like halloween horror movies and like they hit differently and so like i I really liked that sentence because it just like the the fear of halloween maybe has gone away because it's so commercial and like we're dressing up as like buzz and woody and things like that which are delightful i love those two characters but like (laughs) i I like being afraid on halloween no shade. Pixar, or Disney, delightful. I like being afraid on Halloween, and I like that these movies tried to, you know, bring the the Halloween back to Halloween. I don't know. I'm trying to make something happen here, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Everyone's entitled to one good scare. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yes. Well, speaking of tomatoes, let's do it. All right.
1: <laughs> it's the Rotten tomatoes Game so i know that some of you may have seen these rotten tomato scores, but we're going to do the rotten tomatoes for all three so i want you to guess what you think halloween is what you mm. think halloween 2018 is and what you think halloween kills is let's start with the original what's what do you let's go around percent what do you think it has as of this recording on monday october 10th at 10 34 p.m eastern standard time What do you think the Rotten Tomato score is on Halloween 1978? I saw the score. I have to bow out. Okay. I'm
0: going to say 83. Jamie.
3: I'm going to say 87.
1: (coughs) It is a 96. Wow.
3: That's so much higher.
1: Good job, John. John. (laughs) Oh, wait, do you Uh, think they called them Little John and Big John because of John Carpenter? (laughs) Oh, I hope so. I didn't even think of that. I didn't either. I didn't either. Um, Scary, suspenseful, and viscerally thrilling Halloween set the standard for modern horror films. I I think it's high because a lot of these reviews are not from 1978 or probably, like, Mm. looking back on that. But that doesn't matter. It's still that good. Um, (laughs) All right. Halloween 2018. What is the score?
2: I'm going to say 60%. 77.
0: 78. We'll go with 78 because of the original. Oh. Um, 74.
2: Halloween
1: 2018. According to Rotten Tomatoes, is the second highest rated Halloween movie, uh, the first being Halloween, and it has a 79. So, Matt. That was so close. Wow. Halloween largely wipes the slate clean after decades of disappointing sequels, ignoring increasingly elaborate mythology in favor of basic yet still effective ingredients. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I buy that. And uh, what do we think Halloween Kills is?
3: Saw that score. Sorry. I, okay. I don't know if the score is the same because I think it changed. I've, I accidentally saw multiple. So I'm going to guess now on this day, because I think it's changed. Unless you just saw it right before we started.
2: I mean, I watched the movie last night and it was blaring on the peacocks. So...
0: Yeah, when I, watch, I watched it on Friday and the Rotten Tomato score was on the screen yeah. to, play, to play. Yeah. Which but- I was bummed about because I knew I wasn't supposed to look. But my guess is that it probably went up.
3: That's what I think.
1: So what do we, what do we think it is? And then once we, once we talk about that, to add something to this, I mentioned that the other two are one and two. I'll ask you what ranking this is in all of the movies.
3: Hmm.
2: I think it's at a 48. I'm going to say 55. I'm going to go 65. Whoa. It is rated a 39. Oh, it dropped a lot.
1: (laughs) Um, Halloween Kills should satisfy fans in search of brute slasher thrills. But in terms of advancing the franchise, it's a bit less than the sum of its bloody parts. Wow. Agreed Rotten Tomatoes Agreed yeah. I actually think Matt What you said at the beginning of this episode Really kind of like Hit home for me Where the idea is like Things happen And then we just kind of End up in the same place We did at the beginning of the episode uh, The beginning of the movie rather um, And I think that I, th- I think that m- m- These these people agree with you <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Alright so what, like geez, So number one is Halloween Number two is Halloween 2018. At 39% of all 12 movies, where do you think this Halloween uh, Kills Falls? 10. I'm gonna say
3: eight. Nine. (laughs) I was trying to remember specific ones and where I feel like they rank. So
1: Halloween is one with 96. Halloween 2018 is second with 79. Halloween H2O is three with 52%. Uh, and Halloween Kills is number four with 39%. There's a huge wow. gap.
3: Whoa. Season Wait, of the where wi- do the Rob Zombie ones rank? Sure. those with the ones that I was putting last.
1: Sure. So Zombie. Oh, so, excuse me. So Halloween 3, Season of the Witch is five. That's also at 39%. It's had a huge cult resurgence. I've seen so much of it on Instagram. Yeah. Like people so for, yeah. Um, it's the three Hall- masks that the kids are wearing.
3: Right. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs>
1: Wait, we'll say that again.
0: The, the trick-or-treaters that steal the candy from Big John and Little John so are rude. wearing the three masks from the Halloween Season. 3 movie. Oh, the Halloween 3 movie is about a mask-making company.
1: Right, it's because that's That's when they decided they were going to make this an anthology series and then bailed Mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (coughs) Halloween 2 is 6 at 31%. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, which uh, Matt referenced earlier, is at number 7 with 29%. It's not great. (laughs) Rob Zombie Halloween is 8 at 28%. Halloween 2... The sequel to that one is nine at twenty-two percent. Um, number ten at twelve percent is Halloween Resurrection. Um, number twelve at excuse me, number eleven at twelve percent is Halloween Five: The Revenge of Michael Myers. And holding up the end, the caboose of this Halloween trilogy, the world is Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers. I believe that is at a nine percent. Woof. I don't believe I rough. know. The
0: Curse of Michael Myers is the one where they actually make him supernatural.
3: Yeah, if he's got like, like a
0: that. tattoo, a rune, something. There's a cult. It's like a whole thing. It, like, kind of ties into Season of the Witch with the um, mm. Stone Circle, Stonehenge. Mm. Weird.
1: <laughs> should, yeah, so it gets real messy. Should I watch all of these as someone who has never
0: seen uh, anything absolutely.
1: other than the ones? Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I'll watch them with you. Okay, cool. We're doing the S's. Tell us, tell us about the S's. Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The talking holds four S's.
1: So the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Skulls is about mental health, how this movie handles mental health and human behavior. Scares is how scary was it shakes is like how much can you shake it off like is it sticking with you is it not um and then suggestions we want a suggestion from everybody
2: everybody from one to ten
1: cool matt you want to start with the skulls uh yes i gave it a nine
0: okay i think that the mob mentality really struck a chord with me way more than i expected and that kind of gave me the weirdsies (laughs) well
3: The weirdsies, I love the
0: weirdsies. That. <laughs> so I like I I couldn't get past the the way that that group of people riled each other up to kill an innocent person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cool. uh, Jamie,
3: um, I'm going to give it a six um, because I they kind of take a lot away from Lori, where I feel like the PTSD narrative really shines. And I think that the mob mentality kind of like takes the, the spotlight on that. But I think the way that everybody else is acting so foolishly has to just subtract a few, a few points. Cause I just don't, it's really hard for me to believe that this is how people would actually be reacting in this situation.
1: Sure.
2: Nikisha. Yeah. I literally was thinking six as well for those reasons and just them at least trying to incorporate the, like we're all saying the townspeople's trauma. Um, because I wouldn't think that a movie would focus on the group as far as their trauma and how they're all handling it together. Uh, yes. And all of those deaths were absolutely awful. It's, People were literally just standing there and screaming the whole time. No one was actually even fighting. And that was so frustrating. So six.
0: Oh, Um, man, I gave them way too many, uh, way too much leeway for being (laughs) horror movie characters. (laughs) Of course they're
1: just going to stand there and scream. Duh. (laughs) Uh, I'm going with a seven. I think this movie brings up super interesting things. And I think in concept, I was like very into what they were doing. And uh, to me, it loses points for what I said earlier, where it's like these people understand the stakes and then kind of act. This movie is predicated on the fact that people are going to, at least our main characters are going to, because of the first one, are going to act differently than they have in the past and they don't. So maybe that's also an interesting thing because maybe I'll give it a 7.5 because that's also interesting that they didn't learn anything and they're doing the same thing, even though they know the stakes are the same. So I'm going with the 7.5. I'm a wild man. Next up is scares. Matt, do you want to go with scares first? Give it a bore. I didn't think it was scary. Also,
0: it's hard for me to find some, a horror movie that actually scares me. Like
1: the violence and stuff. are just like, it's gross. No, this does something. What does, what movies do scary? Like, does something that, like, is more, like, you can relate more to real life, like, if this whole thing was mob, would that have been scarier than, like, the murders, if that makes sense? Uh,
0: conspiracy documentaries scare me Art. a lot more than most horror movies. Sure. I actually watched a horror movie called Conspiracy that was, like, way too good of a fake conspiracy documentary, but, like... <laughs> Up until the very end, when it turned culty, I was like, is this just a documentary? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, the like the only moment in this movie that made me like wince a little bit is uh, when he took the circular saw and bent it back onto the Mm. uh, firefighter. Sure. Well, Jamie. Yeah, didn't scare me.
3: Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't really spooky or scary. Um, I think I'd give it like a 3.5. Nikisha, I'm going to give it a five.
2: I, but it's also because I like gore. So Mm. I want to give it points for the gore, but it wasn't necessarily like frightening. The only one that I was like, Ooh, that was nice. Was, um, (laughs) the knife in the car to the doctor guy. And he like, put a knife in his head. And I was like, Oh, oh. in his eye size mm. area. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's cool. Um,
1: I gave us a three. The only one that I went stat was the eyes was, uh, was John. One of the Johns. Who's he? I is feel like he jump?
3: jumped. He jumped at one point.
1: <laughs> did I, I don't remember jumping. I mean, I probably <laughs> did. I was still, he puts little. his thumbs in his eyes. Oh, Ugh. that was
3: pretty gruesome.
1: Yeah. Not for me. Um, <laughs> zero out of 10 would not do that again um (laughs) uh shakes how much can you shake this movie will be thinking about this movie is this like i watched it done like give me the next one i'm I'm over this one like where did you fall on that scale one to ten matt I, i think right in the middle of five
0: i think i would not be opposed to watching it again um but like I said before, I would never choose it. Um, the only thing that has left me continue continually thinking about is like I have continued to repeat the, the mob mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie?
3: Yeah, I think I'll give this a four. Because um, I've been thinking about it. I mean, I've also been like listening to podcasts about it. Um, so that's keeping it in my brain. But um, yeah, I don't think it's... I, I think at some point pretty soon in the next week or so I'll be able to, to shake it. Maybe when I start the premiere of succession, I'll be able to shake it off. Um, cause something else more terrifying and real will be occupying my brain.
1: Nikisha,
2: I'm going to give it a two. Cause I honestly was like a little over it, even while I was watching it. I was just kind of. <laughs> oh, interesting. Where is this going? I can't just end. I just want us to go off now. So.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm giving it a five. I was going to give it lower, but this conversation changed my mind. Uh, I'm going to give it a five. I think because of the the mob conversation we had, the idea, like the conversation about like is he like the 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 idea with like he doesn't kill they 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 clearly make it a point that he doesn't kill that those kids like I, 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 that conversation and, and while we're having, I'll definitely be thinking about this a little bit more than I thought I would after finishing it. So. Thank you, everyone. Um, So suggestions. Let's go around the horn. What is everybody suggesting for this one? How are you wrapping this in Walmart in a two-pack? Yo, duh, with Halloween four. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great one. You gotta watch the reference. Yeah, I'm gonna take that suggestion.
2: I have no suggestions. I'm bowing out. This just like pick up Halloween movie. Like just (laughs) choose one. Watch it. <laughs> should, we, um, should
1: we put down H two O for you because uh, <laughs> it's number three on the Rotten Tomatoes?
3: Yeah, it's the the one next. Work that one. For-
2: <laughs>
3: yes.
1: Um, Jamie.
3: Um. So I was thinking, like, what happens when mob mentality goes wrong? But then the consequences of their actions end up coming back to bite them. And so for that reason, I'm going with Nightmare on Elm Street um, because of the parents coming together, mob mentality, killing Freddy Krueger because he allegedly molested children. I I guess in the OG one, I can't remember if they like confirmed that or not. Um, So that's kind of the reality that I'm going with of like, did this person actually do this thing that he's being accused of, but all these people have kind of like taken up arms against him. Um, And so that's my, I mean, I guess people can watch the new one too, if they want, but like, no, just stick with the oldies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I also thought maybe uh, another mob mentality movie is the original Frankenstein.
2: Mm. It's a
1: really good one too.
2: Yes. Put it on the list.
1: Um, and then mine is, uh, I'm going with the, uh, uh new Candyman movie. Um, <laughs> just the idea of retconning the idea of trying to do something more contemporary with an older, um, uh, an older movie and kind of like trying to uh, fit it into today's society and how we see things and our fears. Also, there's an idea of, um, of, um, uh, like, trauma that's hereditary, trauma that's genetic um, in that. um, And I think they both handle it very similarly in in being okay. Um, But I think that it's really interesting. I think it's a really interesting um, trend for horror movies to just like do something new with something we love and show it in a new light. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm, I'm definitely fascinated by it because I feel like horror movies now, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like horror movies now are more specific about what they're trying to um, be like an analogy for, or be, you know, like, or, or, or reflect in our lives. Um, and, and by specific, I mean like maybe a little like super upfront about it, as opposed to just being like a generic fear or something like that. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go with Candyman. Then they the need to cost a new one.
2: Nice. Well, I think that wraps up our episode. Yes. We yes. wanna Matthew Woods for coming and joining us on this uh crazy fun ride. You can follow him at Hollow Woods on Instagram. Is that correct?
0: That is correct.
2: Yes, go buy his art. It's fantastic. Thank After- you. Yes. As for us, you can follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, and now the TikToks. Yeah, we did We're it. we Gen Z. <laughs> for Pod for all three of those platforms. Give us a follow, a like, a heart, a whatever. Comment on all of our things, share our things, and you can listen to us where, Brian?
1: You can find us on things like Spotify, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, additionally, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please.
2: And thank you. Thank
3: you, thank you, thank you. Thank
2: you, thank you. Um Shout out to yeah. those who have been rating and reviewing us. We appreciate you guys greatly. And uh, Matthew, we always try to end with a quote From the movie. So I'm going to let you uh, pick your favorite quote from Halloween Kills to sign us off on today.
0: Uh, I mean, I think I have to go with the classic when the sheriff reiterates everyone's entitled to one good scare.
2: Yes. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thank you.